are finding that organic matters. It's growing. I love it. Gives me something to do. Keeps me off the streets. If you ever need to get in touch, it's nature-approved at yahoo.com. That is my email now. Nature-approved, one word, at yahoo.com. For this part of the show, I'm going to delve into something I've always talked about, but I've never gotten super deep into it. But now, myself, I'm, I'm going to do this because I'm going to, in essence, I'm going to practice, I am practicing what I'm preaching, and that's kind of a broad term, but you'll get it. The ideal ratio of omega to 3 to 6 in a healthy diet. By now, I hope you've likely heard of me talking about this, that a low-fat diet is not really as good as we thought it was. It's not the total answer. And here I'm going to teach you or at least let you know the facts I found out, why grass-fed is better when choosing healthy fats and how to eat an ideal ratio of omega-3s to 6s. Just other words, there are good fats, and we've kind of underplayed the good fats. We're now, we're going to help guide you through, and they're helping them guide me through, what are the good fats and the bad fats. To begin with, omega-3 fats are getting a heck of a lot of attention these days, but they're not a total panacea. This is, I, I always say this, no miracle cure exists for what ails us. There is no one pill, no one magic thing sent to you uh, in your email every day that's going to solve the problems. Nonetheless, omega-3s do have a very unique place in evolving uh, the discussion of which foods we really should eat. Think of omega-3s as kind of a opening up a gateway fat, (laughs) a portal into bigger, fuller, richer stories of fats in general. To begin with, fats are more complicated than we thought, a fact we got to really think about, we got to embrace. It was, after all, an oversimplification that persuaded experts to recommend avoiding them over 40 years ago. Consider, for example, the popular mantra, you get fat because you eat fat. Hmm. It relates to a cornerstone of contemporary medicine. Cholesterol in our blood derives from eating certain fats and causes the heart disease that kills us. Incidentally, we now know none of this is true. Despite prominent, sometimes well-known critiques over the past decade by writers such as Mary Enig, Gary Thomas, and Nina Tyholtz, these kind of Anti-fat articles led the way to to tons of unctuous fat nags, cholesterol screenings, skin-trimmed chicken breast, egg beaters instead of eggs, and of course, margarine. And all this was wrong. Yet until recently, the medical industry has stuck by its low-fat gun. In essence, this bad advice actually brought on bad health. The long-recommended health guidelines that, I guess they demonized all fat, ultimately increased the amount of recommended carbohydrates in our American diets. Unlike fats, though, carbohydrates are simple. Some carbohydrates are called complex, such as whole wheat flour and potato starch. But all carbohydrates eventually reduce to one thing. What is that called, folks? Sugar. That's it. Sugar. When they reduce to glycogen. An overload of carbohydrates triggers an insulin response, leading eventually to insulin resistance. One of the markers associated with metabolic syndrome, which underpins obesity, diabetes, heart disease, and other related inflammations. Sort of put into eighth grade terms, which is how I think, our bodies run on combustion. So we eat carbohydrates with the belief that glycogen is the fuel of life. But fat is too. It's also a fuel. Fats burn just fine. They don't 
reduced to a single simple molecule. Your body will use fats in all of its rich variety in the proper amounts, monosaturated, polyunsaturated, and even saturated. Fats perform many tasks on our body. They provide energy, they wire our brain neurons for sure, allow bones to absorb calcium, prevent blood clots, mediate inflammation, very important, and speed nervous system response. And that's just a few. There's a lot more going on under that. At the same time, fats provide the medium for a whole array of micronutrients to perform their specialized job that is actually fat assists in bioavailability. Try to think about this. For example, a person short on one simple vitamin or nutrient often can't correct that deficiency by taking a vitamin supplement to, to, to counteract the loss. If the other components of basic transport and chemical reactions aren't present to allow the body to use that vitamin, that person won't absorb it. It just won't get, they just won't get the benefits. Fats enable bioavailability of a variety of nutrients, including, but not by all means the end, carotenoids and fat-soluble vitamins, such as A, D, E, and K. On some fat-related issues, mainstream consensus has emerged on what is actually good versus bad. Trans fats, for instance, are now understood to be the original, I'll call it Franken-food, it's bad news. Trans fats derive their name from a simple transposition in molecular structure a re kind of moving, rejiggering, really setting around that create a molecular geometry without evolutionary precedent. While some trans fats are naturally occurring, artificial trans fats are found almost always in industrially processed hydrogenated vegetable oils, originally whipped up as a cheaper alternative to lard in the early 20th century. Artificial trans fats are the core of shortening and margarine, two things I don't eat. Both are thinly disguised vegetable oils previously touted as healthful substitutes for allegedly harmful animal fats. Many of your biochemical processes in your body work by pairing shapes of molecules to what we call receptors, like keys fitting into locks. When your body doesn't recognize a molecular shape, it treats the stranger basically as an invader and fights it with an immune response, what we call inflammation. Trans fats have an unrecognizable shape, which is why the U.S. Food and Drug Administration now officially lists trans fats as unsafe to eat. Let me say that again. Not supposed to eat trans fats, folks. Start reading the labels. Yet they remain the lubricant of much of the fast and processed foods that most of us, or all of, a lot of us, eat every day, sometimes not even realizing it. An advisory committee that guides federal nutrition policy signaled an even bigger shift back in February of 2015 by reversing long-standing advice to avoid foods high in saturated fats, such as butter and lard, and those high in cholesterol, such as eggs. Now let's take a look at omega-3s and omega-6s. Many of the fats labeled essential fatty acids perform particular, unique, and yes, essential tasks to keep your body running. These fatty acids have no substitutes and for the most part can't be made within our bodies. We have to eat them. The litany of essential fats is a, a string of, I can't say this word, molysabilic. <laughs> uh, it's just got a bunch of names that, that nomenclature that 
I think only someone that loves chemistry could even love. And you just can't boil it down. Our health and intelligence depend on filling every gap we can on that list. And kind of here's where omega-3s enter the story. The damage brought on by removing them from our bodies is really easy to spot. Well-researched and kind of scary. A lack of particular omega-3 fatty acid, I'm going to attempt to say it once and then from now on we're going to call it DHA. It's decosexahenoic acid or DHA. Undermines the function of our brains. As the British journalist Graham Rose wrote way back, oh, from how many years it was that I read it, we're in danger of creating a race of kind of morons. It's a little crass, but that's what he said. Because of the omega-3 deficiencies in all of our current contemporary diets. Now here's sort of some science research that's behind it. It's kind of scary. Most of us eat modern diets aren't getting enough of many of the crucial omega-3 fats. I should mention here, folks, omega-3 is not the name of like a single kind of fat molecule, but it's rather kind of an umbrella term for a set of five similar fat molecules. To round out the, uh, the thought, like omega-3, omega-6 is also an umbrella term for a number of fatty acids. And the key one is linoleic acid. Linoleic acid is the primary fat in corn, soy, cottonseed, safflower, and sunflower oils. Modern industrial agricultural and food processing have replaced the DHA we once consumed with linoleic acids from vegetable oils. Part of the problem is, folks, we're unaware of it because these, these linoleic acids, which are not good for us, uh, are now found much more commonly than they ever were in the past in factory farmed meats, in other words, CAFO meats, commercial eggs, commercial dairy, and even farm-raised fish, far different from the wild counterparts. A growing number of researchers focus on one specific omega-3 fatty acid, that's DHA. This unique essential fat is fundamentally important to humans in all life, and it is critical to your brain function. A shortage of DHA is linked to a wide range of brain malfunctioning, including, but not, it's not a complete list, attention deficit disorder, dementia, depression, lower than normal IQs, especially manic depression, memory loss, schizophrenia, and in some cases even violent behavior. The brain, folks, runs on fat, but even at this, the brain is not the only issue. The prevailing advice to choose vegetable oils rather than animal fats may also have raised obesity rates by lowering DHA concentrations in the blood. It's important to realize that while other omega-3s have particular functions, they cannot substitute for DHA. Eating more omega-3s will not stave off problems unless an adequate amount of DHA is in that omega-3 mix. For instance, omega-3 alpha linolenic acid, don't get this confused with linolenic acid, that's the omega-6, you want linolenic acid. The omega-3 found almost always in plants is the precursor to DHA, that's where the A comes from, the alpha. Your body can convert alpha linolenic acid to DHA, but only in a kind of a slow and not really efficient manner. I guess I'll mention it here. The best contemporary source of DHA that we know is cold water fish. Salmon and tuna would be ideal. Uh, trout. Can we solve these urgent health problems by simply eating more fish? Probably not. A British researcher of nutrition policy 
provided a rather blunt answer when asked that question. Are there enough fish in the sea to provide the amounts we need worldwide? Probably not. It seems our species has overpopulated what should be our habitat to the point of severe malnutrition, in addition to the significant harm we've done to all the other species. So now to try to answer it, the industrial solution overfishing seems to be aquaculture or farm, farm, farmed fish. But that solution really is a dead end. And the reason is illuminated by the term some apply to farmed fish, floating vegetables. Farmed fish would actually ideally get omega-3s mostly by eating fish meal and fish oils, but they don't. Farmed fish become floating vegetables simply because the agriculture, aquaculture world, let me say that right, feeds vegetable oils to farmed fish, a practice that has left them with an unnatural and unhealthy percentage of omega fat sixes to omega fat threes. The same defect of really all factory farm foods that I'm talking now back to what I call CAVO, confined animal feeding operations. They're just not getting the diet, you're just feeding bad food to them so we can eat more bad food. The same defect seems to be working in almost all factory farmed foods. Folks, I don't usually do this, but it's so deep into this, I'm going to have to cut away here because where this goes to certain radio stations, they need the commercial time. But I'll be back with more of this for the next part of the show. Stay tuned.